Happy New Year. It's an opportunity for all of us to do new things, better things for the Lord. We'll talk more about what God has for us as a church this new year, next week. This week, we want to finish up James, and we are in chapter 5, verse 17. And that's where we ended last week. Let's pick it up there. God says through James that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Now, when it says that he was a man with a nature like ours, uh, I kind of wonder. I say, okay, God, now, now you told, you, you're telling us here that Elijah, he was a, I know he was a great man of God. How can we compare ourselves to this great man of God? Elijah was one of the uh, great prophets of Israel. Uh, and he called down fire from heaven. I mean, Elijah, oh my goodness gracious, as we read through some of the scripture, he was awesome, just awesome. Um, he raised a dead. Elijah, he, he was tough. He, he was taken up uh, in a whirlwind uh, with a fire, chariot, a chariot of fire and horses of fire. This is a great man of God. And God says that, through James, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So what does he mean? Well, when I uh, look up and, and, and study the word like nature, he's telling us that he has weaknesses just like we have. Uh, he has passions and desires just like we have. And I said, well, God, this, you know, this is, this is, I know you're saying it, and it's, so therefore it's true. But how can we compare what Elijah was doing in verse 17 with us? Because it said that, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three and a, and a half years, three years and six months. God, can our prayers do that? God says that we're just like Elijah. So what made this man so special when he prayed? Why did God put this here to let us know? Because, he, you know, it was, it was in the context of talking about uh, pray for one another, submit, you know, confess your faults to one another, pray for one another. It was talking about that uh, in the verse before that. So he said, it affects your fervent 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 righteous person very much. Uh, so he's talking about prayer. So that means that your prayers, my prayers, are just like Elijah's, because we are people just like Elijah, if we do the things that Elijah did. One of the things that Elijah did was he did pray. We can't hope to be effective in our prayer life and hope that God's going to answer prayer if we don't pray. So we have to pray. Also, he prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly. He prayed with intense passion. You remember we talked about that 
uh, above in verse 16 about the effectual prayer of a, of a righteous person. So we're talking about uh, a, an intense prayer. He was serious about his prayer. We must be serious about praying. And we must be intense with our prayer life also. He kept praying. He just didn't pray the prayer of faith that we talked about last week. He prayed the prayer of importunity, right? Persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. We'll see that as time goes on. He prayed specifically. He prayed that it didn't, wouldn't rain. He didn't pray just a general prayer. Lord, your will be done. No, he prayed specifically. And he prayed in obedience to God. He got a word from God and he prayed that word that he got from God. So we must seek a word from God. And when we get a word from God, we can stand on that word just like Elijah stood on his word. And that's exciting to me to know that God can tell me something. He can tell me something through his spirit. He can tell me something in his word. And if I have it in a proper context, and I know that if I pray what the word of God says, I'm praying the will of God. If I pray the will of God, then I have the mind of God. And also I have those things that I've asked. Elijah was a person who prayed. And he's saying that we should pray. That's how that section is ending. Let's look at First Kings. Let's go there and see about this man, Elijah, what happened as he was praying. Then verse 17, it tells a little about Elijah. He, he, he said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Those, those, are, those, are, some, those are some tough statements right there. I mean, that, that's, that's a mouthful. Can we really, can we really say that when we, when we tell somebody something? If you hear from God, you can say just what he said. He knew that except for my word, there will be no rain in Israel. No rain whatsoever. He had a word from God. He wasn't acting on his own. He wasn't doing what <laughs> sometimes we do, you know, or I do particularly. You know, when it threatens to snow, I say, God, you know, it's not, I'm not, I, it, don't let it snow. And I'll tell somebody, it's not going to snow. Stella, stop it. <laughs> you know, it's not going to snow. You and Brianna don't team up against me. It's not going to snow, you know. But see, um, I'm believing that it's not going to snow. And of course, most school teachers are believing it's going to snow so they can stay out of school, you know. But see, Elijah was not praying that way. He, he knew because God told him that I'm about to do something in Israel. Now, why was God about to do something in Israel? Why did God tell him this? Do you all know the background a little bit of what was going on in Israel? What, what, was, what Ahab was up to? 
Ahab and Jezebel, yeah. uh, notorious, you know. Ahab was, was very wicked. And he was worshiping, you know, false gods, Baals. And, and, and so uh, God had warned him many times, but he kept on disobeying God. So God sends the prophet and said, this is what's going to happen. And sometimes if you're leading a, your household, uh, a company, whatever you're leading, you must be sensitive to what God is saying to you because the way the leader goes, so goes everybody else. You know. So if you're leading a household, if God tells you to do something, do it. Don't continue in 2010 to disobey something that you know God told you in 2009. He hasn't changed just because it's a new year. He wants you to do that. He wants me to do that. We have that responsibility. Verse 2, the word of the Lord came to him saying, go away from here and turn eastward. So now God is making provision for Elijah because Elijah has already told Ahab what's going to happen. God knows that Ahab is going to kill uh, Elijah if he possibly could, if he could get his hands on him. So he hides him. He has him at a, at a brook, then he sends him over to uh, the widow, and he uh, then brings him back. Let's go uh, to chapter 18. And let's look at verse 1. Now it came about after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third years, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. Did he, did he say, Hey, Elijah, <clears throat> it's time now for you to do what you want to do. Uh, if you want it to rain, let it rain. If you don't, don't. You know? He didn't leave it up to Elijah. He's telling Elijah what he's going to do. And, and that's what happened in the beginning. He told Elijah what he was going to do so Elijah could go tell Ahab what was going to happen. So he, he, could, he could confidently say, there's not going to be rain uh, until I say so. Because God has already told him that you're going to tell him, you're going to tell Ahab this, and therefore this is what you, you're going to do. Now he tells him, I'm going to send rain on the face of the earth. It has rained for three years and six months now. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and he called Obadiah, who was over the household. And now Obadiah says, fear the Lord greatly. And it, for it came about when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them, these are prophets of the Lord, by fifties in a cave and provided for them bread and water. And that's no easy task either because you know he had to do it secretly because Jezebel would have killed him. So therefore, he was a person who feared the Lord and he feared the Lord really from his youth up. You can be in the presence of evil people and still fear the Lord. You can be on a job place where um, everybody is, is wicked, but you are righteous. 
You don't have to submit to those who are around you and, and blend in. You don't have to do that. Obadiah didn't do that with wicked Ahab. Verse 8, and he said to him, it is I, go say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. Now, Obadiah was, was uh, very smart. And Obadiah said, look, you're trying to get me killed. See, if I go here and tell Ahab that you're going to, going to be here, then God may take you up by the spirit and, and Ahab is going to kill me if we can't find you. you. He has sent over all the nations, all the kingdoms and couldn't find you. What makes you think that I'm going to leave your presence now and go and tell him he's going to come looking for you and can't find you? Don't do this to me. I've hid these 50, I've hid these, uh, these 100 prophets. Look, I fed them. You've heard about that, haven't you? Don't do me like that. So, so Ahab said, look, I'm not going to do you like that. I will be here. So Ahab comes. Let's pick it up in verse 17. And it came about when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is this you, the troubler of Israel? That's a, that's a, that's a pretty bad statement. So Elijah said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's household, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. So we understand and know exactly why the famine came upon the land because of Ahab. He was a king. And Ahab was the one who was uh, not following commandments, so therefore judgment came upon him and in Israel by the Lord. Let's go over to verse 41. We're speaking of prayer now. We're trying to set the stage for prayer. Now, we know that all that, that happened in between, you've heard many messages on that, and, and you read it before many times, how um, Elijah was, was uh, making fun of the, of the prophets of Baal because they couldn't uh, make fire come down on the offering. And then when the evening sacrifice came, uh, he uh, asked God to call fire down, and fire came down, and it consumed the wood, consumed the offering, consumed the water, consumed everything. And he had already told Israel, why are you hesitating between two, you know, points? And, and we know that, that they didn't say anything. Israel said nothing. You know, he said, he said well, look, if God is God, serve God. If, if God, Baal is God, serve Baal. They didn't say a thing. So they are... They are wavering, trying to serve God, trying to serve uh, Baal and, and idolatry at the same time. And we can't do that in today's society. Uh, we're not serving Baal, but sometimes we just serve ourselves. We just, we just uh, uh, blend in with the world system. God is saying to us in 2010, don't halt between two opinions. You know, in other words, don't be jumping from one place to the other, trying to serve God, then trying to serve the world. You can't do that because if you're a friend of the world, you're enemy with God. You can't do that. And so when he, when the, when the, when the offering uh, got consumed, Israel fell on their faces. <laughs> it's really you know, funny, you know. 
that they would, they would, they would do that, but they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, this is in verse 39, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Well, he was God anyway, you know? And it, he didn't have to do all that. He, he's, he showed himself greatly all the time. Why would he, they say that he's God just because the offering got consumed? See, we don't want to wait till God does something great and then we jump up and down and hallelujah. We want to do what James said. We want to consider all joy when we encounter various trials, don't we? You see, we gotta, we gotta serve God. We gotta believe God and trust God, have faith in Him, regardless of our circumstances. Okay, verse 41. Now Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. Now I didn't hear no sound. Did y'all hear a sound? I bet you they didn't hear a sound either. And no, you know, he said, he said, he said, I hear a sound. Now where is he hearing this sound? In the spirit realm. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. This man is going to be intense in his prayer now. He's praying. And he said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. So he went and he looked and said, There's nothing. Go back. So he did that seven times. Now, if, 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 if it was thunder and lightning, you know that it had been some serious uh, uh, talk about that because it hadn't rained in three and a half years. But it was nothing. Nice day. Nothing. Nothing happening. But see, he was hearing in the spirit realm. He knew what God had said. If God had said it's not going to rain until three and a half years, you go hide yourself, and it didn't rain for three and a half years, don't you think? That if God says that now you go show yourself to Ahab because now I'm going to send rain. Don't you really believe that he knew it's going to rain? It was no question about it. He knew it's going to rain. Do we have that same mentality here today? Do we know that what God says is going to come to pass? Do we know it? If the word said it, says it, do we believe it? You know, because I submit to us, we waver sometimes in what we believe. We know it in our head that, oh, we, I know it's true, but it's so many times it hasn't happened, so, so it probably won't happen now. So we start doubting, and, and God says in James that, that a person who doubts is unstable in all their ways. It's like a, a wave that's tossed to and fro from the wind, by the wind, and don't think that man's going to get anything from the Lord. So we have to be sure that we are standing like Elijah stood. Elijah says that it's going to rain. I hear it. It's a great thing coming here. So you go look and see what you see. And he's sending back seven times because I know you're going to see a cloud pretty soon. You have to see a cloud because God's going to send a cloud because it's going to rain. It's got to be a cloud before it rains. So where's that cloud? So he sends it back seven times. And it came about, verse 44, at the seventh time that he said, Behold, a small cloud, as small as a man's hand, is coming up by the sea. Oh, that's all Elijah, Elijah needed. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. Now, a, a cloud about the size of a man's hand 
Come on. <laughs> How's that going to be a heavy rain coming down? He's walking by faith, isn't he? He's talking by faith. That's how we had to talk, by faith. We got, we got to talk what we believe that God's going to do. And God does miraculous things all the time. He really does. Verse 4 to 5. So it came about in a little while that the sky grew black with clouds and wind. And there was a heavy shower. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. That's, that's, that's mighty. That's mighty. That, that, that's, that's what it's talking about in James when it says that we, we're just like Elijah. We're just like Elijah. You can pray and that thing will happen in your household. Uh, things going on in your household. Is things happening in your job. Things happening in your life that the word of God covers. And says that, no, this doesn't have to happen. This is what God says right here. He says that in Isaiah, Jesus was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes, we are healed. That's what it says. So if we are healed, we are what? Healed. I don't care what you sense. I don't care what you see. He says you're healed. He says a lot of good things, and there's a lot of promises in this Bible, isn't it? He says, if you sow abundantly, you shall reap abundantly. Doesn't he say that? See, sometimes we look at our circumstances. We look at our checkbook. We look at our, our you know, bank account. And we say, well, we don't have much, so we better hold on to it. That's the opposite of the word of God. Where God says if you have need, you need to do what? So, don't eat your seed, you know. The farmer is not stupid. The farmer not going to go and eat his seed and say, well, I hope I'm going to get some crops, you know, in, 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 in when the harvest comes. He's not going to get in the crops. He doesn't sow anything. Nor will we get in anything if we don't sow. You see, we have to believe what God says, and it goes opposite sometimes our circumstances. Let's go a little further. Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his lawns and outran Ahab, and he outran a chariot. This is downhill now. Now, a chariot going downhill is going fast because it's pulled by horses, and not pulled by a donkey, you know. It's pulled by horses. Ahab had about a thousand horses, you know. And, and this man, this man is, is, you know, he's going to have some of the best horses. He's pulling that chariot. But it says the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah. If the hand of the Lord is upon you, you can do mighty things, can't you? Ahab got outrun by Elijah to Jezreel. Now, here's a man of God who had already slain 400 prophets of Baal, already called down fire, made fun of the prophets, and outran a chariot to another city from the from Top of Mount Carmel, all the way to uh, Jezreel. And we'll pick it up on verse 19, I mean, chapter 19, verse 1. And now Ahab told Jezebel, now who's Jezebel? Ahab's wife. 
all that Elijah had done. And he goes and tells her, you know, oh, this is what Elijah did. Elijah did right here. You know those 400 prophets? Man, he killed them all, you know. Elijah, he called down fire. He was telling you, he was, he was, oh, he called down rain. He did this. He, he was telling them. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Verse 3, and he was afraid and arose and ran for his life. Now, now we can understand why God says we have a like nature, just like Ahab. I mean, just like uh, 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 Elijah, don't we? Now, here's this man now. What can a prophet, you know, the gods, so may the gods do to me, what are the gods going to do to her? The gods can't even call down fire and consume an offering, the gods of Baal. How, what are the gods going to do to Jezebel? If I don't make your life as one of them. One woman. Come on. He didn't, he, he's, he's already slain 400 men with a sword. And it's one woman. He gets afraid. Why? He has a like nature just like us, you know. Maybe he was tired from running, you know. I don't think so. <laughs> because the hand of the Lord was upon him. You know, what was he thinking? What was he thinking? This great man of God prayed, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. He shows himself to Ahab. He wasn't afraid Ahab was going to kill him. And then he calls down rain, and it rains. Why would this man run from this lady? He has like nature as we do. Sometimes we do strange things, don't we? Strange things. Why would we not believe, believe God? God Almighty. What has God done in your life? In 2009, what has God done? He's done, I mean, a multitude of things for all of us. We are sitting here in 2010 only because of God, you know, has kept us alive. You know. You have your health today. Because God kept it. Yeah. It's God. I mean, we can, we can just thank God and thank God and thank God and thank God all day long and wouldn't have enough to thank God for. You know, I mean, we wouldn't have enough time to thank him for that. Because he's done so many great and mighty things in our lives. Yet, we won't trust him. He saved our soul. Yet we won't trust him. We have our help, yet we won't trust him like we should. And I know you say, oh, yes, I trust God. You know? Well, we'll see. Yeah. Let's turn back to James. If James says, by the Spirit of God, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, that means that. We can pray 
We can, we, we, we don't have to look at Elijah as this great man of God that we can't pray and things happen. Just because he raised the dead, just because he did great and mighty things. You know, uh, he has a nature just like we have. So therefore, we can pray and those things happen the same way. All we have to do is know what God says. If we know what God says, then we can say it. And we can believe it. And it'll happen. Verse 19. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth, and when he says, my brethren, who is he talking to? Huh? You remember in chapter 1? Who was he talking to? The 12 tribes who dispersed abroad, right? He was talking to them. They were his brothers, were they not? Were they Jews? Were a lot of them Jews? 12 tribes dispersed abroad. Were they most of them Jews? Okay. Was James a Jew? Okay. Was James a Christian? Okay. So, you know, when it said brother, it could mean, you know, blood. It could mean um, they were Jewish brothers. It could mean Christian. Uh, in a Christian community, it could mean a lot of different things. Okay. But because of the context, we're talking to the 12 tribes abroad. If in among you strays, that means, stray means to err, means to go away from the truth. And the truth, it says from the truth, and the truth is the gospel. It's the good news. It's all about what Jesus has done and is doing and will do. The gospel. If you stray away from that, whether you stray away through uh, deception, whether you th- uh, stray away through maybe uh, your, your, your thought life, your, your uh your philosophy, uh, you can just sin. Either way, you have strayed. And it said, if any among you stray from the truth and one turns him back. So we get the picture here. We're not talking about somebody who has never known the truth. Is that correct? It's somebody who has strayed from the truth and someone turns them back to the truth. Okay. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, sinner, of course, is someone who sins. And save his sozo is the same as it's salvation, but it means deliverance. It means a lot of different things there. Your soul, your suitcase is basically that which um, your, your immortal uh, spiritual being from death. And uh, theologians are kind of mixed uh, with that. Some say it's, the, it's uh, eternal death and some says just physical death. And will cover a multitude of sins, meaning that your sins will be forgiven you. Now, there, now, it depends upon your theology. 
of what that death means. Uh, because if you believe that um, you can lose your salvation, then it could mean, of course, um, eternal death. Because we know that they knew the truth. We know they were brethren. We knew that they strayed and they brought back. And it says it saved us so from if it's eternal death, that means your theology is that you can lose your salvation. Okay. Now, the theology of Cornerstone Community Church is that uh, if a person is saved, they are born again, they cannot lose their salvation. Okay? That's the theology of Cornerstone Community Church. Okay? Uh, we don't believe that you can lose your salvation and you've got to get it back. Then you can lose it and get it back. No, we don't believe that. Okay? We believe that for the eternal security of a believer. Now, that's the key. Someone who's born again. There are many people who think they're born again, who say they're born again. Like I was when I first came to this church, I was not born again. I was not saved. I was not a believer. You know, I, I did believe in God, and I did join a, join a church when I was small, but I was a bit more saved than any other sinner that has never professed Jesus Christ as Lord. Or atheist, I was no longer saved than that. But I thought I was, you know, I thought I was, until I start listening to the truth and hearing the truth and reading the truth, and I said, oh, my goodness, you know, I better make sure. Now, there was no fruit in my life of salvation either, you know. But once I did give my life to Jesus Christ, then I started uh, bearing some fruit, little by little, you know, and still bearing little by little. I haven't arrived yet. You know. So we believe that you can be saved and not bear much fruit, but sooner or later you're going to have to bear fruit <laughs> because the word of God says so. There's no way in the world that, 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 that his seed going to be in you and you not bear fruit. No way. Okay? No way. It says that in the word of God. So therefore, when we're looking at this particular verse, verse 20, that I would uh, read it as, uh, let him know that, know that he who turns a sinner from his error of his way will save his soul from death. That, that death would not be eternal death for me. That death would be, you know, uh, physical death, but it would not be eternal death if he's saved to begin with. And will cover a multitude of sins. If he's talking to the brethren. Okay. That ends James. And it's been miles. We've been on James for about six months. And um, it's been a, a great study of James. And now what we want to do is put James into operation. It does no good to read James. It does no good to listen to James. Because... James has already told us that it's not the hearer of the word is justified, but the what? Doer of the word. Okay? So what I want us to do is to know parts of James, pretty much what goes on in, in James. And so if we go back to chapter 1, um, if I call on anybody in this section over here, over here, I want you to know pretty much 
what goes on in chapter 1, chapter 2, you know, chapter 3. If I call on anybody over here, I want you to know what goes on in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. Okay? Now, you can do that by reviewing. Reviewing. When you memorize scripture, you have to review. You just don't uh, memorize something one time and then expect to know it forever. What you don't use, you lose usually. Okay? So therefore, uh, we need to review it. So if we review James, chapter 1, if I call on anybody next week, if I say, hey, um, I'll stand up, uh, Ms. Hollow, and, and just review uh, chapter 1 for us. See? You can do that. See? And if I call on somebody, I say, yes, yes, you young lady. Yes, would you stand up and, and, and review chapter 2 for us? She'll be able to do that. Because she's reviewing. They're reviewing the word of God. Now, parts of, uh, uh, let's start with chapter 1. One of the greatest things in chapter 1, if, if, if you look at verse 12 in chapter 1, it, it kind of, to me, sums up a little bit of what he's telling us in the, in the first 11 verses, basically. Uh, he says that blessed is the man that, you know, he, he, this, this man, he perseveres, he perseveres on the trial. This is what this man does. He perseveres on the trial. And that tells me that I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. So therefore, when any trial comes in my life, I want to persevere. I want to stay up under it. I don't, I don't want to uh, uh, run from it. I don't want to uh, be negative about it. I'm not going to let this trial get me down. What I want to do is persevere through this thing. Because it's not going to overtake me. It's not going to uh, get the best of me. I'm going to persevere during this trial. That's what it tells me when it says, Blesses the man who perseveres on trial. Because when he has stood the test, it tells me, he shall receive the crown of life, which God promised to those who love him. So I know that I want to stand the test. Okay? I want to stand that test. So, therefore, when, when you look at chapter 1, verse 2, when it says, consider it all joy when you uh, encounter various trials, the whole thing is telling us, really, uh, more specifically, what verse 12 is telling us about. So, I, I, I know that I want to face any trial that comes my way with joy rather than with sorrow. I'm not going to let the enemy... Depress me. And that's a, a, a word that's going around in society now about depression, you know. Uh, I'm not interested in depression. I'm interested in joy. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, I don't have to, you know, uh, grin and, and be excited because I had a flat tire, my engine blew up. I don't have to do that, you know. <laughs> uh, but... I'm not going to let that destroy my joy and cause me to be mad. And then I get mad and, and take my gun out and shoot the rest of the car and tires out, you know. 
I'm not going to do that, you see. What I want to do is say, well, you know, this is terrible. I really, you know, this is, this is going to cost me money, you know. But whatever reason this thing happened, you know, I'm going to learn from it. And I did learn from why well, I had a car that the engine blew. Uh, I didn't put any oil in it. So, <laughs> so, so I learned, you know. Then the next car I had, the engine messed up on that too. And I learned something from that. That you had to change your oil, you know. So I used to keep putting oil in it, you know. I kept with oil, but then I didn't ever change the oil, see. So I learned. You know, we can learn by mistakes, can't we? We can learn by mistakes, you see. So now, not only do I keep oil in my car, but I change the oil, you know. Yes. There, there, there are, there are th- things we can learn about situations, you know, like that. And even if, if you did everything perfectly, it might be just something to happen. It might be it'll give you an opportunity to take the car to the shop and you get a chance to know the, the owner of the shop and you might get a chance to win his soul, you know, to the Lord. So it's a good thing, you know. I found out the person who works on my car now, uh, he lives over there by a new church. And I already told him, hey, I want you to be at this church. When we open up the doors, I want you to come, you know. And he, you know, he kind of, you know, okay. <laughs> So I know he's not a Christian, but it's all right, you know. It's all right. God is good, isn't it? So that's what I like about this first chapter, the first 12 verses. It tells me, not only who it was written to, but it tells me that, that whatever I go through, oh, it's not going to get me down. It's not going to depress me, you know. And anybody who uh, knows know me, you know, very well, and know about my life and things like that, they know that I, I don't get down with circumstances because circumstances come and go, you know. We're going to have fun, you know. In this life we live, we're going to have fun because God has put us here for a purpose, you see. Then the verse 13, it starts telling us about the people who say, well, you know, God caused that. God took my child. God did this. Come on, God doesn't, you know, uh, God cannot be tempted by evil, not as he tempted anyone with evil. God doesn't do evil. He doesn't do that. So anytime we, we, we fall into temptation, it's because of our own uh, lust, isn't it? Yeah, that's what it tells us over there. I like verse 19. I mean, I like that. That was part of a, that's a good scripture memorization, uh, verse 19 of chapter 1. Uh, if you don't remember all of it, uh, like this you know, my brethren, my beloved brethren, um, but everyone, if you just don't even memorize that, don't memorize that, but just memorize the, the other part, everyone must be the King James is swift, but this is quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The anger of God, the anger of man does not work to what? Righteous. Right. The anger of man does not work to righteousness of God. In other words, that we, we need to make sure that we don't get in anger. And if we anger, we get in anger, we don't sin. Not too many of us can do that. That's a great scripture memorization. I like that part. And verse 27, I like that. 
uh, with 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and does not brighten his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man, religion is worthless. You know. But if we didn't even go there, if I say, give me three things in chapter one, just, just three things in chapter one that you, you remember, you know. You can always tell me that I'm not going to let the enemy steal my joy. I'm not going to let circumstance steal my joy. I'm not going to let various trials and stuff that come in my life, I'm not going to let it steal my joy because God said, blessed is the man that endures or perseveres under trial. I'm going to, when a trial comes my way, I'm going to meet it head on. I'm going to choke it. I'm going to kick it. I'm going to stomp it. And I'm going to kick it out of my house. It's just not going to happen. I'm not getting depressed. I'm not going to get down. This thing is subject to change at any time. And then, uh, and then uh, so what's another one? Well, any time a person is tempted, it's because of their own lust. It's not because of God. God doesn't tempt anyone, you know, to sin. So therefore, it's not going to be God tempting us to sin. It's Satan tempting us to sin, all our own carnal desires. And another one, give me another one. Well, I can tell you a good one. Um, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, King James said, or slow to anger. Right? In verse 20, what's that say? The wrath of man does not work righteousness of God. Okay? So anytime you get angry, you know it's not going to work the righteousness of God. It's going to lead to sin, usually. Okay? Those are three things in chapter 1. Okay? Give me one thing in chapter 1. Yes, you, you raise your hand. Are you... The, Good, okay, good, okay. I thought you was grinning because you wanted me to call on you, you know. Oh, you were grinning at her. Okay, y'all sending notes that you're doing my message, okay. <laughs> give me another one over here. Uh, give me a mail. Anybody give me, give, give, me, give me another one. Okay, count it all joy. That's good, okay. Give me another one over here. Anybody? That, that's that's, that's, uh, that's going to be the same type of thing. They're both saying the same thing, basically, is that they want to endure temptation. Give them another something. Yes, I, I hear you. Go, go on, Jason. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. Very good. And give me one more over here. One more. And James, that we've gone over in chapter 1. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. One more, though. One more. Because it's the same thing. Excellent. 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 Now, we can do that with, with verse 2, with chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, can't we? We can do that. Because all you have to do is pick out a couple of three things that it's talking about. And if you have a study Bible, it's going to put headings in sections, different sections. Sometimes you just look at the headings, you know, and that, that'll work it. That's what I want you to do, because remember, this is a church that believes in discipleship. Because we, why do we believe in discipleship? Because Jesus believes in discipleship. He told us that in Matthew, didn't he? They go to all nations and make what? Disciples. Go to all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them the things that he taught us, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So therefore, that's what we do. And since I'm a teacher, therefore, you know I talk to the congregation, don't you? Okay? Um, 
If you're looking for a preacher, I don't preach that often. Uh, but preacher is just proclaiming. So, you know, if you know the meaning of the words, a preacher is not necessarily just jumping up and down. It's proclaiming. And I can proclaim through teaching, can I? Okay. So, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5. Let's review that. I'll call on you next week. And next week we're going to get into 2010. Where, where is Cornerstone Community Church going in 2010? Where are we headed, you know? Um, say what? <laughs> I didn't hear you. Gray's Mill Road. That's good. I like that. I like that. I like that. That's, that's, that's one of uh, my mentees, you know, uh, smart Alec. That's all right. <laughs> I love him. I love him. He, he's, he's fine, you know. But yes, we're, we're going to Grays Mill, old Grays Mill Road. Uh, what's the address? 525, old Grays Mill Road. That's where we're going in 2010, uh, physically. But I talk spiritually. Okay, spiritually, we're headed somewhere. And we'll go over that next week. But also, we're going to call on somebody. So you remember that, Mrs. Roberts? I'm a... <laughs> she's going to make sure she's going to be gone. Downstairs with the kids. Okay, that's fine. Let's stay.